Welcome to another episode of Majoring in the Miners podcast, a podcast where we talk about how the majority of people focus on the minor and insignificant things in life. Your hosts, as usual, Mahi and Louis. So, but then isn't good like subjective? It is. Yes, it is. But also, like, yeah, but some things are like, I think it's not subjective anymore. It's like, you know, don't hurt someone like that. How subjective can that be? Like, if you well, realize your actions are going to be in a direct, like in a direct way, they're going to hurt someone. Maybe like, don't do it if you can get it. Like, if you can live with not doing that thing. But what if your actions indirectly hurt someone? Then, tough luck. If you find <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think like you know, I, I, my favorite thing is, and you always say it a lot, is common sense is not common anymore, right? So like, I think maybe being good is a pursuit of common sense. Like you know, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, my indirectly, I might not. I might hurt someone and not realize it, but like being conscientious enough of my actions and be like, all right, like kind of if I'm doing something, have the foresight to just think about, all right, what I'm doing, is it going to hurt someone down the line or not? And then like, and even if you're not aware of it, like just kind of being quick enough on your feet to deal with the repercussions of your actions. What if you hurting someone actually helps them? Well, that's, again, that's them being like, you know, dealing with the consequences of what happened to them, right? Like, yeah. doesn't mean like, and hindsight is twenty twenty. Like at the time of me hurting them, I don't know if it's going to help them or not. So I can't yeah, say but like, like. But let's say it's your friend and, you know, a, a real friend isn't someone who tells you what you want to hear and you kind of like. Yeah, but hurt their feelings. It, no, no, okay, so that's the thing. Like being conscientious enough and understanding that, like sometimes, by not telling your friends the truth, you're actually hurting them in the long run. So in that case, yeah, not hurting them is telling them the truth and hurting them like uh, at the present time, right? Yeah. yeah. So technically, you're not hurting them. Like you, you have their best interest uh, at in heart. Mind. Yeah, at heart. Okay, good, good. So we're in agreement. So my life is still pure. Um, yeah. I mean, mate, you're, just, you're hearing it from me. That there's no, no <laughs> nothing well, pure about that. Well, you're a pretty good guy, Mahan. Kinda. I've been, I, uh, I've been told. I'm not sure. I think I'm like, I keep honestly, like I keep hearing this, and I'm just like it. Uh, messes with my faith in humanity so much because i don't think i'm an exceptionally good person i think i'm just an like i'm just not a, not an idiot like you know i'm just not uh i i think i'm normal i think this is like i think normal is so far gone that when you try to be just okay-ish people think you're great right and that's well, sad well that's that could apply to so many things mediocrity is on the rise right so it's like same with this but then i remember you have a tattoo of cerberus because you help you, you have that tendency to help people uh i think that was that started as a joke right because like everyone would get drunk in our uh, circle of friends and they were like i i i would shepherd them 
to and away from the club and then, like that's why uh but but the tattoo actually is because like when i used to play games my friends would tell me i get uh, in forest we get as angry as a dog so i was uh, like my nickname for a while was just dog and i was like i i need a cool dog so let's pick cerberus, cerberus. Or, you know fell but yeah it's kind of fed into me shepherding people to the club and then taking them home <laughs> like you and i used to do it all the time that was like, <laughs> friendship groups right yeah but i'd be the douchebag but and you'd get all the positive points <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> what good did it do what good did it do look at you now you're like a five star court coach you just need to add olympic lifting to your repertoire uh, i'm i'm happy you brought that up like you know i was having this conversation the other day is like outsourcing right this is a random conversation is going somewhere like sometimes you need to like don't be that person like you know stick to your lane right like mm. as much as i like olympic weightlifting and i'm like i've got the asian hips for it and like you know whatever it's something that i've never tried as much so i don't think like mm. you know what i know better people than me who can be olympic weightlifters and cool like great coaches like so unless i'm really interested in it and i learn it to a point i i'll still refer people to others like no of course uh, unless you don't unless you practice it there's no point yeah. and yeah because you need to understand the mechanics and exactly like i've spent so much time in the main three lifts and i'm still learning to this day like learning from amazing people so i think at least with that i can coach them a little bit but like olympic um weightlifting very technical as well like i can help people like as you i'm sure can do it as well like going through the courses that we are like but shoulder health and mobility and stability overhead and stuff like that and help people build it but then the technical aspect of it the skill no. of it itself yeah. it's way out of my uh, comfort zone yeah it's not easy to do a real clean and jerk and a snatch yeah, and all yeah. i i can muscle up a bar right like yeah <laughs> but that's not that doesn't mean it's a clean and jerk yeah, it's, yeah it's not the olympic version where yeah. or even like muscled. the efficient version like yeah, we get like you know, isolating the sport away from it. Yeah, we just make everything easy. Mm-hmm. But then nothing beats a rack pull. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're not getting that back into your program. Don't try it. No, I like the program. I just wish I wasn't sick. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, no your program's actually good for once. Uh wow. <laughs> Wow, I I have to fight you and Saluji day in day out. Like today, he was like, "Oh, I think I should do low bar squats." I was like, "Yes, but but," and hear me out on this. Maybe not. But why not? Like, because I was even like, I wanted low. I'm, I'm like, I'm used to low bar squatting, so like, I'm I, I was wondering like, why do y'all like stop us from like enjoying our hips? Okay, so this is this this is my mind like this this is where my mind goes right in regards with uh, low bar squat and this was sort of the uh, reason I gave him uh, and definitely I'm probably wrong but you know like this is how I think um, low bar squat similar to sumo and wide grip bench maybe not to the same extent. But for me, it's manipulating leverages to move more weight, right? Okay. Yeah. And 
as like it's it's kind of working the physics right you know just like because hips will be stronger and extending than like you know quads anyway so lower squat technically for a lot of people will be stronger right a lot of like uh, especially people that have mass on them um and then like let's not talk about equip lifting because i think a lot of hip movement comes also from equip lifting as well so maybe not to the same extent but like if i see it as like playing the physics game in lower squat right yeah okay um so it could have a place in the program if the goal is to like you know if you want to compete and the goal is to just move absolute loads for a rep or two but like if the goal is a bit of hypertrophy body composition and things like that um like a high bar front squat will teach you so much more maybe they're not necessarily like i I don't think they're necessarily quad exercises because there is still core involved in there but it's a good way for you to kind of learn how to stack like you know organize this your ribcage and pelvis yeah so that's why i like uh high bar and front squat and then like yes if the goal is to move maximal loads eventually like you can just because like lower squat becomes a technique right it's just like a skill like you just have to learn it and then slowly you can introduce it for set competition or something like that but um also like with everything else that normally we go through training the amount of like time you spend in hip flexion like so much time in hip flexion might not necessarily be good for you there are outliers obviously like some people might maybe uh, benefit from lower squats um nothing comes to mind at, at the time but like with anything there's always exceptions to the rules that you set for yourself right but i think for like you and salute you maybe it's not necessarily at the moment um, okay, so great minds think alike, and we both want uh, lower squats. <laughs> or great pains in the butt think alike, and you both want lower squats from me. Or maybe we just want to train our hamstrings and glutes more. Then go and train the hamstrings and glutes somewhere else, because like lower squat is not great for those either, right? Like well, it works them, but there are so many other things that would like, work them much better, much, right? Of course, a rear foot elevated is so much better. Yeah, yeah and the amount of external rotation, like you know, the, the being in extended rotated in an abducted position at the hips, like uh, at least you guys don't pull sumo, but like staying in those positions for long periods of time, I don't know. I think um, knees like to bend more, so just go through knees. Right? Like so if you want to do hip extension or like hip flexion, just stick to your deadlifts and rdls and things like that like if you're doing that and then squats as well like you're just um you're over yeah you're overworking hip hip flexion extension Hmm. so how do you think of progression progression or the 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 runway of like when you have a client let's say Mm -hmm. i know this became more of a weightlifting convo but like whatever uh when you uh like let's say you get some random client uh, and they have no history. Yeah. How do you kind of set up their program? Uh, pro- so obviously, the, like, the, uh, <laughs> I think like every time I'm about to say it depends, I just imagine Jordan Shallow with like, uh, n- like you know, these knuckle busters over my head, just about to smack me in the face, be like, <laughs> depends on what. <laughs> Uh, dude um so let's say the person's like you know very uh young training age right that's what we're talking about like general public right yeah normally they want to like you know work body composition right um so 
I would start them with, again, like assessing where they are, like, you know, put them on a single leg movement and see how far, like, you know, how, how much control they have over it. I'll probably, I'm a big fan of goblet squats, right? Cause like anterior load, like having the load over. So like kind of always assessing on a single leg and then coming back and like working, start probably with a lot of people. I started with the goblet squat maybe a box squat or counterbalance if they have nothing in their hips but i'm assuming like they have some sort of movement in there right so starting like a, a goblet squat work through front foot elevated split squats on the side and then like kill the output to the max on machine. a leg press on the machine yeah their leg presses leg extensions things like that um, and just like build capacity there build 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 uh, slowly like learning this positioning um and like front squat also like you know having load anterior always helps for helps people to kind of go down but obviously front squat has like some mobility restrictions. Uh, limitations that yeah and restrictions so like not that many people can immediately go to the front squat as well but like it's still kind of good assessment like all right can you now stack like instead of hands under the bar like stack it over the uh, clavicles like in front of you and then try to like you know keep maintain that uh, stack position as you've got but then high bar um and uh, the high bar again like progressing through our time slowly increasing the time adding a pause uh and these are probably maybe like <laughs> get influenced a lot by my talks with killian but like yeah i would go time like tempo then pause then uh, maybe one and a quarter reps even so like now we're progressing through the distance and it this could take like forever and um once they're into a barbell back squat then we can go back on that single leg and still progress that as well front foot elevated to um normal static lunge into re rear foot elevated maybe to walking lunges eventually so like there's so much progression that you can make for honestly yes um uh, and then like going back to the barbell uh we're trying to build capacity in the barbell because eventually then they if they get better and better at that then the loads they can move will be much more but still they have so much room especially as a beginner on the machines that it's just gonna barbell is just take me work and then machines is just like this like going ham 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 until i don't know they fully stack the machine and then, so like, yeah, and lower squats, lower back squat, I don't like probably will not come into the program unless they're thinking of competing. And then if they're competing again, what are their other lifts? Because if they're like sumo lifters, then too much uh, again, external rotation and abduction and hip, maybe lower doesn't even make it to the plan. Or if it does, it like, it won't live long. Like there'll be a lot of, other stuff to kind of mitigate mm. these positions. And do you ever customize it like on personality? Uh, now, yes. Yeah. Cause I, that's, thank you for like bringing that up. Cause that was another thing that I've been like, obviously again, been taught about by my mentors and something I'm think considering is also the idea of what is the person used to, right? So like if that person comes to me, maybe this is my progression for them. But if they really want to go to a barbell, um, 
I have to create some way for them to be able to do that barbell movement in a controlled manner and then take them out of that and do whatever I want with them that I know actually works to help, you know, improve them. So that depends on the, like if the person, if the person is really attached to barbells, I'm because I am of the mindset of like not going to the barbells too much because we know there's so much progression that can be made outside. And then once that's done coming back to the barbell, you could like have exponential growth to a certain extent. But uh, if the person is really attached to it, then yeah, it comes to the play. And uh, this idea of like, you know, type a and type b personalities and also one more thing is like people can change through it which is really interesting because i definitely was a type b type of guy like you know it takes me a long time to it used to take me a long time to warm up i would literally have to have 10 warm-up sets before i even started my working sets on squats Uh, maybe reps wasn't too high like i would do like eight on empty bar then the next increment would be five, then next next increment three, then one, 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 one until mm-hmm. I get to my working set. But like it, it took me a while to get excited or like, you know, get to that position. But now I find that it, I, I still have my tendencies, but it's a little bit easier for me to um, go to the working sets or get myself hyped up and like, you know, go and do that. So personality is a big factor. The time that they have, I used to mm-hmm. plan these really long sessions and then like, great example is Saluji again we were he's like I have only like sometimes you would have because you know there were restrictions and curfews in Turkey so he's like I have just this much time to go and train and then I was like wait like Mahan you're kind of letting him down because you're planning something very long whereas he doesn't have to get that done so on top of personality you just also have to and you know that's the difference between coaching and programming is like you have to understand like figure these things out eventually by asking the right questions and having the right conversations and like, or if it's even brought up to you, kind of make taking mental notes at it and then uh, implementing it. Yeah, because I've noticed like with my my program, there is one day that's extremely long compared to the others, like mm-hmm. the chest the chest day. Yeah, it's like way longer, and then like the fun days are way shorter, and then I'm like, well, well okay, uh, but. Uh, well, but yeah, I think that's what coaching is. I mean, I, I never complained about the times. So it's fine. But like, yeah, you, you're right. Coaching is adapting to other people mm-hmm. and their needs as opposed to enforcing your will on them. Yeah. You have to, they have to be consistent, you know, so you have to give them a program they can actually work with, even if it's 20 minutes a day. And uh but what was the other thing? Uh, but would you take neurotyping into account? Or do you think that's a bit too advanced in terms of personality division? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's too nuanced, right? Right? Because um, even the... Uh, I know, like, Matt probably will not even listen to this con- uh, podcast, but, like, one of my uh friends who's a bodybuilder in the uk matthew claire i had this conversation with him about like even the courses i do sorry i'm going to try to connect this to the answer to your answer is like we we had this conversation i think like a lot of the knowledge that we learn is all about nuances and these nuances they're not uh as applicable as we think but it's just because we've learned something fancy and new we want to apply to so many different things Whereas like if for majority of people just sticking to the basics, consistency, 
progressive overload through time distance and then load and like you know night good rest and um eating good food will get a lot of people a lot of progression as they need and smart programming like just not being really stupid with programming and like following the basic lines will get people so far and then all these specific things that we know is just in case of a what if right if a what if pops up or if a small solution pops up then you have to have an answer but you do need all these answers from the beginning i think mm -hmm. neurotyping as well well very like it's very applicable to athletes uh, like you know at the highest levels um when they, they yeah they need all the like it's all about the percentage it's all about anything that you can improve for them they're at a point that like you know especially if they like they've made it to a certain then position in their sport that like you know their general physical preparedness is already met like their conditioning is already there now these are just like people who've honed the skill and they're like you know they're, they're very important it's very important for them to be the best they can be in whatever like you know on the field then you you need all these small nuances on these small things that can apply to them. So it's a very cool idea. It's very smart. Um, I keep forgetting the guy's name. Christian Tibidau. Yeah, Christian Tibidau. Like I, yeah, I, I think it's super interesting. But I think it's like there's so many other things that you can do with people like before that. Like that conversation comes down the line of maybe if training someone for like three four years or even longer and if they are very specific type of people you know with very specific needs and you know since you brought up sports or athletes what kind of athlete would you want to train or what sport would you want them to do you would you be interested in training them in or preparing them for um i think like my internal bias always pulls me towards martial arts like uh and i've been having like discussions with like my friends who are doing bjj and even like you know trainers who have trained people who do bjj and i've have, uh i'm trying to get like uh the program well for flavia um so yeah fighters because i think it's very interesting and i think like the more i talk to people like powerlifting and bodybuilding is not necessarily real sports like they've they become they're kind of basic uh yeah. they're, co they're very cool they're very cool and you can do a lot of things with them but like some sports like change of direction sports like even in a mm. like to be honest working with team athletes like you know sports uh like team sports i think that'll just go over my head that's like something i would love to get experience in because like even different positions right like American football or like football, football, or um, I don't know, baseball, basketball, or anything else, hockey, like all these, like even depending on the position or like who, who is doing what, the, the uh, specificity, mm. I don't know if I pronounced that word right, but specificity, mm. I think that that's how you say it, uh, or how specific you can get with their training eventually it's mind-blowing and it's just like you know it's a lot of consideration so that would be cool to maybe cool to work with them to understand more but my internal biases are towards um like kickboxes and bgg because like even a lot of things that i know right now i'm like oh shit i wish i knew it when i was a kickboxer because it would have i mean i wasn't a great kickboxer so maybe it 
wouldn't apply to me, but at least like it would save me a little bit of pain here and there. Mm. Uh, and also like, even though they're not, uh, I think Kyle Baxter always says like, <laughs> it's not real sports, but I do love training with powerlifters. Cause like there's some, there's a sense of accom- accomplishment when people can like move loads when they feel strong. So I think that. But then do you think that accomplishment like cons- um, applies if it's like sumo deadlifting or uh, low bar squats or things like that? where they use the suit uh, yes because it's subjective right like at the end of the day you want the athlete who trusted in you to do better in the preset rules that they compete in right like if they if they have to compete in those rules then you just you're like all right maybe i'm not a big fan of a sumo but you have to pull sumo so we're gonna do whatever we can to first you can pull sumo and then out of that competition we're hitting things that like, you know, you won't get sumoing all the time, but at the end of the day, it's subjective enough that if they're happy, you're happy, right? Like, cause you, you, it, it's the idea of they felt like whatever accomplishment they like, you know, whatever they accomplish and whatever they associate that feeling of accomplishment to is a bonus because they're happy. And would you, with Olympic lifting, be in a play like would you ever place it in a program if someone or i mean i know you said outsourcing but like in would would you allow it to to be added to a program like as a special day or as a supplement to powerlifting or bodybuilding or whatever or would you just have it as a separate block it really depends on the sport right because um, again, like the things that people do, for, like I, I know, like, you know, cleans um, are especially like, you know, quite popular in the SNC world, strength conditioning. Um, but again, like these are conversations that I've had even I was considering myself is like there, the rate limiter on those is technical proficiency so much, right? So if someone's like, if they're, uh, and it's old school mindsets that we have in sport, because like, you know, we just needed a high ceiling of something to pretend to make someone feel like, oh, they're, they're a good athlete. Right. So if they clean this much, they're a good athlete. But then if the person's like, you know, killing themselves to barely get the bar on their sh- uh, in front position. And then like, as they're trying to go up these knees, like, you know, kick in towards each other, the adductors, try to help them get up and they just stand up did the, this person really benefit from like you know doing a clean or a heavy clean whereas like you could have just gotten them like especially with the equipment we have right now put them on a um like a landmine and get them to do explosive movements like you know explosive press overhead so like instead of a jerk because now they're explosive enough but they have some sort of stability there as well Hmm. But what right. about the, the the power versions of those Olympic lifts where it's kind of dumbed down? So, yeah, well, in, like the power version, instead of that, just like, again, external stability can come in the form of a trap bar deadlift, right? Yeah. So you still can create a lot of power and, and not still be in positions that like, you know, can put you in a... Um, in like rotative forward, internal, ro- like you know, internal rotative uh, at the shoulders and stuff like that. 
Like, whereas like you create a little bit, like again, a mix of like, you know, what's the point of doing a clean where you could do like, get them to like superset a explosive trap bar, maybe even trap bar jumps into uh, overhead press with a landmine, right? If anything, I think that'll be like even better because like th now they're not failing any form and like, mm. you know, they're getting good form, good exercise and men mentality was, well, they, they, they don't associate that movement with failure. Because mm. cleans just make you yoked, bro. Yeah. You know what else makes you yoked? Everything else. <laughs> Like dead, yeah, of course, deadlifts, RDLs, uh, but and I think it's association of uh, image as well, mm. right? Like one you and I discussed about like behind the neck pull, right? Mm. And it's popular because people see either some bodybuilders do it, or nowadays like people associated with a lot of you know weightlifters, like Chinese weightlifters, they're always mm. doing behind the neck pull. But I'm like it's uh, the invincible memes like think mark think they mm. need to have these bar like you know they have to be able to put the bar either in front be external rotated the shoulders put the bar in the back like squat so they have these positions these shapes that the bar the hands are you know close to behind the neck and then like you know they have to press it overhead so if they're pressing something overhead then the reverse shape of it is pulling something down towards the back so Behind the neck press makes sense for a like a weightlifter and not all the time, maybe a certain stage in training, but it's because their sport demands them to have capacity in those areas. But and also as a consequence, they'll have like you know yoked backs, and then people are like, Well, they do this, so that's why it gets them yoked back. And I'm, you're like, No, it's the demand of the sport, that's why they do it. Yeah. They probably do a lot of like Chinese weightlifters do a lot of bodybuilding to get yoked. Yeah. And also like equipment, right? Because they always train in areas that like doesn't have all the machines, right? So now they have to uh, like as much. And that's another thing with like being smart with training is sometimes like you just have to understand what's available to you. Mm. And normally they don't have much. Maybe they just have one like it's barbell. mainly yeah it's mainly barbell and barbell and plates and then they happen to have like a dip machine and a uh if they're lucky a lap pull down right that's why you see them do so many different things with barbells or like loo raises everyone's like yeah loo raises is gonna be so good for your shoulders no he only has plates, plates. available to him that's why he does it with them like yeah. there's nothing secret about the plates it's just the, the environment that he's in mm. yeah and uh, have you ever had a client who kind of stumped you? Like you, you didn't know how to program for them because their personality or they just were weak or like they weren't really progressing? Yeah. And uh, I think when I was younger as a trainer, I would take that really personally and I would try to like like you know make them do it but at the end of the day like um if someone doesn't want to listen or like you know um there's the expression in farsi i'm going to butcher this in both translation or even the farsi itself i think but it's like if someone wants to be stupid you can't make them a genius right something like that like if they've just like if like changing people's mindsets is very difficult and like 
especially if you're really trying to 100% change your mindsets. Like, yeah, back in the day, I would find someone very difficult to work with. And I would try to make it work. But now it's just like, again, because um, I back then I had the answers and I was trying to force the answers onto them. But now I'm like, I'm just going to answer your questions and I'm going to get what you want because like that'll be have more adherence. Like mm. I'm going to do my own thing, but I'm going to tell you that this is what you want and like we're doing what you wanted and then sometimes give them what they want as well. But like, yeah, I have, I've had some clients. I, you've, uh, you actually know them. I'm not going to name them, mm. but uh, they might have been on this podcast as well. They stumped mm. <laughs> me at some points um, that was just like, oh my God, how do I work with like, I just don't know what to do. Um, but, and you know, sometimes it's like people, people like a session, they just, they just don't want to do stuff. Mm. They, they, they're in the mood. They've had like, you know, a fight with their other mm. significant other at work or they're just not feeling it. So if it's once in a while, it happens. But after a while, like me, either you cut them. Um, mm. Cause like then someone else comes in and that person might actually listen to you. And I like people who listen to me. But then as a coach, shouldn't you be adaptive in a sense? Like, uh, shouldn't you tail, like, change your programming in a way to get them to slowly calibrate if they're really, like, troubles, like, if they have a specific mindset? Okay, yeah. But it's, it's the amount of effort, right? Because, like, some people... You know, there's hiding the spaghetti in the uh, the vegetables in the spaghetti sauce, and we all talk about it. But like again, in in real time, some people's ideas are so skewed, and they're so like you know so different from what you think or the way even you react that you can't change everything, right? You know, it'll, it's just uh, sun and the moon, right? They're so different, and in that case, is the best way is like I literally refer them out to someone that I know who might like, you know, hmm. do the same. Like if someone really comes to me and it's just, just wants to do circuits, just wants to do circuits, burpees, things like that. I will try to like, you know, get my style of training there as much as I can. And like, you know, give them something maybe at the end where it's like less impact that gets their feeling like they're getting what they wanted. But if they're really resistant towards other stuff and they just never want to do it, no matter what I'll, however I try to make it suit their needs, then instead of both of us being unhappy, the best thing is to just refer to someone else who does those things. Cause we know like everyone does everything, right? Like, so mm. there'll definitely be other PTs who, whose style will match this person more. Cause like, this is a difference. Like, People train with PTs not because of their knowledge. Tra people train with PTs because of how they, like, you know, how they connect to that person or, like, how adaptable they are to that person's type of training. So if we're really against each other, yeah, refer them out. Is there, ev is there ever a place for burpees? Because I hate burpees, but, like, it's, like, they're stupid. But, like, is there ever a place where you, you wouldn't add a burpee? Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. Like, there, I would try to get it out as soon as possible. But again, if someone's really attached to it, they might do a lot of other stuff. And then at some point, they get like a burpee mixed in with some other things that 
maybe they're tired enough that when they get to the burpee, they don't have in energy to jump up or down. So now it's just a case of like, they're just like literally going down and standing up. Right. Mm. And they think it's a burpee because it looks like a burpee to them, but we've smashed them so much more beforehand that the legs don't allow them to like think even, even be able to think of jumping. And now I've created like a safe burpee, right. In a sense. Mm. You sneaky little one. Yeah. So, and th that co creates adherence because the person is like, okay, I'm doing what I think works for me. And then everything else is getting them results. But then they seeing like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I'm happy as well. I got what I wanted. And like, now look at me. And then eventually you'll be like, you know what, like these things that we're doing, they really work. So maybe like, can we try this and this and this? Um, and that's where you try to slowly cut stuff out that you think might not work for them. But then again, if there is a demand, bring it in, just create some sort of constraint for it. Hmm. Um, what's the stupidest exercise in your opinion? Uh, so before that, like, I'm just going to go back because I, I wouldn't say two things as well. If people love burpees, like, and I can do this because like, guys, nothing gets me as angry. I'm going to tell you this. Nothing gets me as angry as people who do pad works and they look so soft. Don't like, if you want to actually do pad work with your clients, learn how to do pad work, right? Just like, please, it does my head. Like, I know this is very personal and I shouldn't be like this, but it does my head in when people do pad work. But if your clients like burpees, honestly, like one of the things that I do is like, you know what, you like to feel tired. Let's put on some pads and I'll teach them how to like, you know, throw a couple of safe punches and just, kill them on boxing right like and they just feel great it's a good way to blow off some steam and mm -hmm. uh, normally nobody comes out of boxing angry a lot of people like to hit stuff and feel happy so if anyone's listening to this maybe it is good to like learn at least basic pad work maybe mm -hmm. or maybe as we said create constraint about the exercises that they want and like mm -hmm. give it to them but locked up in a way that they won't mess themselves up but uh, sorry, what did you say? The most stupid exercise? Yeah, like that one exercise that you see in the gym and you're just like, nah. Mm. Um, I might be biased again because of like everything else, but uh, tricep kickbacks, like any exercise, like or this dumbbell chest raise thing that like people do standing, like uh, you can't beat physics no matter how creative you get with the dumbbell line of force is always to the ground like and i think this is like and I, I blame all the courses that i've done that's like you know uh ignorance is a bliss right like before that i would like oh that's so cool but now all i see is like dumbbells being pulled down to the ground why are you doing this random stuff that like doesn't align with the that the fibers i'm actually yeah most about this yeah like jordan said it like the the tricep pullback like it's like it's with the dumbbell it's it's stupid because yeah like you're you're not even getting like there's no force happening at that angle anyway like when you're kicking back so what's yeah the, the, yeah, the only force is like literally keeping your arm in that position maybe yeah it's like a shoulder exercise more than a tricep like to get a cable like yeah. know, at least the cable makes sense but like uh dumbbells just stupid but yeah, but yeah. see english is a bliss before that i wasn't as annoyed by it now i'm super annoyed every time it's i see you it. know when we were young or like when we didn't know 
because you'd feel a pump, right? Like yeah. you'd do it. So you'd be like, oh, it's effective at 4 kg. But mm -hmm. you know, you're like, but that's stupid. Like there's so many other exercises that just effectively so much better. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we, like, yeah, ignorance is a bliss. And I think that's the other problem sometimes with courses is like, you know, you, like I, I used to love uh, the, the rack pull. Mm -hmm. But then like doing courses, I'm like, oh, this oh, okay. It's, it's 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 not that yeah. at least it's better than like still rack pull 10 times better than a tricep kickback right you know something's happening like rack pull is not bad in itself the idea like i think the way people what people use it for and they, the things they think they can they get out of it is where like it falls short but still mm. you get a lot out of it right it's still you're loading a ton you're moving around but like the, yeah the tricep kickback just no and and um, normally people who do it, they go and watch a bodybuilder and then the bodybuilder is doing it. And it's like, like, look, look at his triceps. And it's always a guy who benches three plates. And I'm like, no, don't look at a tricep kickback. Look at everything else that exactly. he's capable to do that's growing these triceps. And then he comes in at the end and does that because he wants to feel the sensation. And he he's also just like you thinks that that sensation means growth. Whereas he's literally grown his triceps three exercises before that when he was benching something crazy heavy, when he was moving, you know, like heavy weights through different ranges of motion before even getting to that tricep kickback. But that's that's the problem with social media anyway. Like the, the, the social media people, they don't show you their real workout, you know, they... Mm -hmm. They just show you like a workout they may do on vacation, like when they are pressed yeah. for time. They they don't they don't show like the gym shark people, like oh, yeah. they don't bulk because of their circuits. They bulk because they worked hard, but then they want to show you that easy fix, right? That like, oh yeah, do this one hour circuit and like once a week and you're like ripped mm -hmm. and it's like no these people diet these people probably are on steroids even if they're not they work uh, like they work really hard uh, yeah and and that's the problem they're you not know, good coaches they're good bodybuilders yeah <laughs> like they, they know how to monetize it uh my like i i tell this to some of my clients and i think like this is a great analogy that i came up with i was like because some of mine, like, you know, where I work with, there's a lot of accountants. And I'm like, listen, you're an accountant. Like, you know, someone gives you an account. How, like, you have to do so much work for it. Like, you have to put maybe hours upon hours or weeks upon weeks of this, right? And then if I just come to you and be like, listen, I, I know the secret to do all that accounting work in one day. Will you not laugh your ass off at me? At me? Like, you'll just be like, impossible. Like, no, you're full of crap. And I'll be like, well, with this thing, with this secret way that no other accountant knew about it and i just figured it out and i can like you know the secret new excel technique i can do all the work in one in one one day and you'll be like no like no because you know it takes a lot of work but we still like do that in the fitness industry still in the fitness industry people are able to sell that to us right because we still need the secret way out yeah and i think that's the problem at large now, but going back to the stupid exercise, this is one thing that I saw, and I think it took muscle damage to the next level that like people, I don't know, if you think muscle damage helps you grow muscle, maybe. Maybe it does as, a, as an ancillary thing. Yeah, yeah, it does. But it's not the main 
yeah it's, it is one but it's like not tension it's mechanical not, yeah. tension or metabolic uh, stress block. stress yeah. if you think muscle damage like helps grow the muscles then this exercise maybe it made sense in the guy's head but i've seen a video of a girl squatting up and down and as she stood up this guy would come and like muay thai muay thai kick her glutes whoa so i was like it like either that i don't know if that's a core stability exercise because she had a barbell on her back this guy would come and kick her or it's a muscle damage i don't know what that was but yeah that's another one of the the crazy stuff that i've seen on the internet well there are a lot of crazy exercises i mean it's like but kicking someone really like i was like I think they took it from like the old like martial art thing where you like stand on someone's stomach or you yeah like, like you hit them with the what the Jean Claude Van Damme kickboxer like dropping a coconut and I've done that like not the coconut but we used to do that at kickboxing and uh but not kicking someone with a barbell on the back like what are you trying now is it like for a fighter or is it for muscle growth I don't know anyone listening to this you know what message us comment under the video and tell us what do you think was this kick meant to help grow the muscles or was it to prepare them for a fight if it was to prepare them for a fight why was a barbell on her back i'm curious to know so yeah tom i'm talking to you i know you're listening to this so comment below below you know whatever this thing is and let me know and killian tell us more about how that kick impacts allostatic load yeah (laughs) Someone tag Killian and be like, no. <laughs> Find the video, tag Killian, and ask him a dumb question. He'll love it. Do it in a lab, bro. Do it in a lab. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bring it up in PSL2. Ask Shallow. Be like, so, you know, ribcage mechanics. What does a kick to the glutes do? Uh, um, maybe like a last topic, but mentorship. So I know you do mentorship. Like, I know Killian's your mentor. Yeah. And you probably had other mentors. How important is that? Uh, Very, very important, in my opinion. And uh, simply because, like, first thing first, like, you know, it's the old school story of surround yourself. Like, you know, you're the mean sum of the five people around you or your five friends and blah, 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 you know, like this. If you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people and, like, you by law of association, you eventually get there, right? So yeah. I think like, and now with mentorship is like, you know, if you really want to get to a place, find someone who's good at that thing and then learn from them, right? Like, you know, just like kind of, because they can like, you know, we, we learn everything through experience, right? But we don't need to experience everything ourselves. That's why we have books. That's why we have it. Literally, education system is someone did experiments and experienced something yeah. and then made a note about it. And now we're learning. So same thing with mentorship is like, if you want to get to a certain place, uh, find someone who's been there and like kind of learn from their wins and losses. And also like, it, it's a good way of guiding you to, to where you want to be. I'll like... And conversations, right? Like communication is so important. So having someone to talk to you about like things that like, you know, pop into your head and just like either if you agree or disagree with them, communication can help you grow. Um, and obviously like for me, 
it is like, you know, talk, as I said, I am interested in training like clients like that. So why not talk to someone who does train clients like that and who has a great business model and who's like, you know, um, as cool as Tony Stark. So why not? <laughs> fair enough. All righty. I think uh, I've interviewed you. Yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> Getting yeah. interviewed in my own podcast. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, this way you can put this on your website, yeah. your like fitness website. Hey, oh, yeah, that uh, wow coaching, wow dash coaching.com. It's a dash. Uh, if you go to it, I've made it myself. It looks horrible, but at least it's a website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you building the site was uh, an was experience. Nightmare. You know what, what was the worst? What was worse is like first when I tried to buy the domain, like wow coaching, like Willow Wisp, but I didn't want to write Willow Wisp, it'll be too long. Yeah. So it was like the wow coaching. And when I went to domain, the domain was so freaking expensive at first. And I was like, why? And then I realized that there is a website, wow coaching, and it's World of Warcraft coaching. <laughs> so that okay. was the domain was so expensive. So I had to put that small dash in the middle. <laughs> And then it was like uh, one pound. So yeah. Wow. So how much was it before the one pound? I think it was like, I'm kind of sure it was like a grand for that domain. Wow. Just for the domain. Cause, yeah. Because like World of Warcraft, obviously big. So yeah, obviously you're not World of Warcraft big yet. Yeah. But I am World of Wisp coaching. So yeah. But maybe you should start coaching gamers. Uh Yeah. Uh, oof. That's another conversation. Yes. I've been trying to uh penetrate that business for a while because i have a bunch of friends in like sort of high places or like with different companies and stuff like that so i i am trying to get there so how would you how, how would you coach a gamer uh hand-eye coordination <laughs> kind of i'm, I'm trying like, i'm trying like not to give this business idea away no but a uh, joking aside uh, so what I uh, what kind of came over to me was like the idea of um, after we both did the skill acquisition, right? Um, the the skill acquisition mo- uh, model of learning. I, as a gamer myself, I figured out that you can ap- really apply that to a lot of different co- like aspects of playing a game, and also. Um, now that the game is growing bigger and bigger, competitive gaming especially, a lot of these guys, they're they're just kind of like athletes in a sense. Like obviously, mm. they're much more in the cognitive phase of yeah. uh, like they live and die there more often than not. But there are like even cognitive phase, you can break it into sort of a cognitive associative autonomous as well. Um, and there, there were like I see some gaps with how gamers could kind of prepare for competition like athletes do. You know, how we have program like off-season and then see yeah. in-season and things like that, like how you would program or how you would like, you know, educate them even in a certain extent. So like that's one thing. And then from the other side is like um, injury risk management, right? They all have shoulder problems and wrist problems like day in and day out and their best uh, – antidote to it at the moment is just not playing games for a couple of days for like you know the inflammation in the wrist to go down and then eventually some like really rich gamers 
were eventually end up being off gaming for like half a year or a year and they have like surgeries at the wrist and things like that and like you know carpal tunnel syndromes that get to the worst the nth degree so like just educating or finding ways for because like they know what to do but like all the like wrist movement and things like that like the practices like the rehab or prehab stuff is really boring so finding ways of making it more interesting to them could be a good eye of, like you know could be a way to get in as well so like those are two things that i'm trying to work on that sounds good actually because gaming is a big thing and yeah it's getting bigger and bigger and mm. so much money in it as well and like same like as sports they rather than trying to prevent injury they'll just deal with it once it happens yeah which or they'll like inject you with a hundred things to keep you going yeah and, like and the, keep keep you hooked because like now you're attached to that like you know the what's the shot called i forgot the this some uh, of the story stereotypes i don't remember the name but cortisol corti yeah. cortisone Cort- yeah something like that i'm not sure all righty well, yeah. well this concludes our interview of mahan ilmi and next episode we'll interview the other co-host and co-founder of majoring in the minors Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say lou bombs but yeah i think we were both thinking the same mindset uh no you can you hear me now yeah but you're suddenly far back yeah okay now oh, can okay. you hear me yeah yeah, yeah okay. plugged out yeah so we bring in Saluji. Saluji is uh, actual owner and uh, no <laughs> no i'm joking but uh no uh now we should do a prescript like it's mega like a podcast mega mega interview bring jordan shallow in and just yes. we're waiting for jordan he's he said yes to us almost a year ago and yes. still not here. Someone got a message him. Someone got a message him. And that's got message gotta be you. Because <laughs> I, because I've never attended the lab, so he probably yeah. look at me and be like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Who is, who is this guy? Who the hell Who's, is this guy?" And then Killian be like, "Oh, why are we in podcasts with this guy <laughs> again?" <laughs> oh no, we'll definitely have them. But yeah, I think with that, that was good. That was a good interview session, yeah, considering we didn't really have a topic in mind. It was. But, uh, well, then that's how you do it. I that's guess. how you do it. Exactly. Whoever is listening to this, Podcasting 101, talk about stuff. Exactly. Because it'll just come out like verbal diarrhea. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, again, whoever probably like, whoever listens to this already has listened to Saluji's podcast. But we talked about communication is very, very, very important. And this is why we do this. Like, you and I would just want to practice communicating and getting yeah. better at communication, right? And that's why, like, you have to, even if you don't have a topic, you just talk. And, like, we managed to talk for a long time. And believe it or not, these episodes are normally the ones that do best with people who listen to us. Because, like... I, I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. Like, like we bring people of value and then yeah, and then it doesn't get that many <laughs> listens and then like you and i just sit down and talk about ran- the most random topics and then like it everyone's like yes them two talking sh- crap well yeah i guess it's the chemistry we have exactly all it's- right 
next week we'll talk about ginger pe- no we'll talk what? about <laughs> the ginger ale that's what he was meant to say well g- ginger ale is a pretty good uh, uh pretty remedy good, yeah. for a cough actually yeah, exactly so in my non-scientific opinion yes this is not medical advice if you have exactly. a serious cough maybe it's good to maybe stay away from me because i've been coughing for a while but <laughs> exactly <laughs> but... speaking of that <laughs> anyway <laughs> There we go. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> to Majoring in the Minors while Majoring Lou in the coughs. <laughs> Majoring in the coughs while Lou does in the, dies in the background. Tell your friends, tell your family, <coughs> tell your grandparents, tell your grandchildren and force it onto your boss. Make your boss listen to our episodes too. Thank you so much.